Hello everybody, welcome to Fastscape Rewatch Podcast. I am Carl My Hats and joining me is Red Nightmare. Hello, Hello and we're here for episode 12, which is it's... Rhapsody in Blue. And not the Flax, as I thought originally. <laughs> yeah, so there's a bit of, uh, bit of a mix-up because as we mentioned in earlier episodes, some of the series was broadcast uh, out of order quite a lot in the first mm. few episodes. And this and, also gets translated to the DVD, which meant I initially watched the wrong episode. <laughs> yeah. Well, so, from next week, so... So you, you skipped ahead. Yeah. Naughty, naughty, naughty. I'll try, to, I'll try to keep these two straight uh, in my mind, not to mix those yeah. two up. So, yeah, the, we have... Yeah, there are two episodes here. There's Rhapsody in Blue, which is the one we're talking about this week, and The Flax, which will be next week. And when they were broadcast, uh, when they were broadcast in the US and UK, they were broadcast the other way around. It was the yeah, Flax and first, and then uh, Rhapsody in Blue. And this order, reordering is relevant, and I'll come back to that next week. Yeah, we'll talk about that more next week. Um, but suffice to say for now that the way that we're doing it, Rhapsody in Blue first, followed by yep. the Flax, makes way more sense. Yes, it does. And that was actually the production order. Uh, okay. Rhapsody in Blue was made before the Flax, so. There you go. And like I said a couple of episodes ago, like we shouldn't have to deal with this too much more. It was mostly the first few episodes that were really out of order, but we've run into yeah. it this time. But, yeah, that's uh, what tripped me up this time. I, th I thought, well, <laughs> we don't have to. I don't have to pay attention to this anymore. This is why I always make sure to ma mention uh, which episode we're doing at the end of each podcast. I have been paying attention. Damn it. <laughs> it's all good. But yes, yeah, so this week we are talking about Rhapsody in Blue and... Um, as you can probably guess, it's 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 very heavily focused on Zan and the Delvians and all that kind of stuff. And there's some really there's some there's some good stuff to talk about in here. I thought yep. I thought it was I thought it was pretty good. But yeah, let's get into it. So we actually start out with not Moya, not Delvians, not Zan. In fact, not even space. We're, John is in bed with the lady having the sexy times. Yeah. <laughs> Although it's very sort of TV PG sex times when they're yeah, both yeah. pretty much fully clothed, just in bed. Um, not fully clothed. It's oh, just, yeah. And there, nobody's showing anything compromising. Yeah, there you go. I think that's the way to put it. But he's in bed. But Crane is in bed with his girlfriend Alex, mm -hmm. and she's talking about she's taking a job at Stanford in the medical research program, and Crichton has taken his uh, job at the space center. Oh, the yep. space program. So they're going to be Florida, on... Florida, I think. Yeah. So I don't know much about American geography, but they're apparently going to be on the opposite side of the continent. So that mm -hmm. sounds bad. So when this scene started, I was like, is Crichton having a vision kind of thing? And then when he mentioned that I'm, you know, just chosen to go to the space agency, I like, okay, so he's remembering this. Yeah. And <laughs> I do like this bit where they're like, oh, so we're two different sides of the countries. This is just not going to work. And like... The internet wasn't invented back then, was it? No, this was the late night. Well, it was '99. But long distance. I mean, the internet as we know it today. Yeah. Isn't a thing yet, where yeah. long distance relationships are pretty doable. Yeah. Well, yeah, you couldn't exactly just hop onto Skype and say yeah. hello. I mean, uh, we're, d we're doing this podcast from two different countries. Yeah. Go internet. Yeah. Suck it, 1999. Woo! <laughs> Woo! <-hoo> <laughs> <laughs> But, yeah, so it looks like they're going to be split apart. <laughs> I found it quite funny. It's like, we'll be on opposite sides of the continent. It's like, yeah, now you're on opposite sides of the galaxy. <laughs> Possibly. Yeah, they might not even be in the same galaxy. That's true. 
But I thought this is a... We haven't heard about Crichton having a girlfriend before, so no. clearly he's been working at uh, the IASA, not NASA, mm -hmm. at not NASA for <laughs> a while. So they've clearly split up a while ago, but there you go. And, but then he falls out of bed and, oh, it was a dream. Oh. Yeah. Important note. <laughs> when she says that she's going to Stanford, oh, yeah. he closes the ring box he had on the... Um, on the floor. Yeah, he on was... On the floor and he shoves it under the bed. And it's like, oh, he already had an engagement ring. Yeah, he was going to propose. And then she says, well, I'm taking the job at uh, Stanford. So he's like, oh, so we're going to be separate. Okay. Okay. That, that was kind of harsh. Yeah, and then he's woken out of bed. It was all a dream, and Moya is just kind of shaking about a lot. We get some some kind of classic um, Star Trek like yeah, yeah, yeah. fall over while the camera moves <laughs> side to side. I thought this as well. It's like this must have been really fun to do for Ben Browder. Like oh 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 oh. oh. I want especially as he goes off shot. It's like you can't see this, uh, listeners, but no. uh, Red is doing some quite impressive uh, arm flailing. But, yes. <laughs> <laughs> but I want to see this shot stabilized. Like I've, I've seen that I've, there's videos of like Star Trek uh, action shots where the ship is shaking, they're all moving side to side that have been digitally stabilized because the camera's <laughs> moving. So they're all just going shaking back and forth <laughs> in their chairs. <laughs> and I, I want to oh. see that with this shot. But oh, if you want, if you want to have a real laugh, look at the. Um... Tabletop episode, uh, Will Wheaton show where he has uh, I forgot her name. Oh, the Jerry one Jerry Ryan. Yeah, on because yes, when, <laughs> I remember when this, he says yeah. like uh, uh, ship's been damaged. They both in unison shake because it's something <laughs> that's drilled into a Star Trek actor at some point. They can, despite never be having been in the same series, they can just on command do that. Yeah, <laughs> in unison, it's marvelous. Anyway, back to what's actually going on. So everyone has actually been woken up from their sleep because Moya has entered Starburst and has been staying in Starburst for quite a while. In fact, <laughs> there's a great line from Rigel in there mm -hmm. when John says, uh, a little long for a Starburst, isn't it? And uh, Rigel answers like, hell, to the obvious. <laughs> Love that. Um, and it turns out that Moya uh, is responding to a uh, distress call from another pregnant leviathan because mm -hmm. Moya initiated Starburst herself. It wasn't Pilot or anyone else. No. Also, everybody's in their pajamas. Yeah, because everyone... having a pajama party. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, everyone was woken up from their sleep and um, they were talking about what they were dreaming about and Dargo was dreaming about his wife and John was, you know, as we said, dreaming about his girlfriend. And Rigel was dreaming about his wives or something. <laughs> um, and he actually had this... Uh, Oh god, there's a line from him where he says, I like my wife's pregnant and my ship's cold to the touch. That way my sleep is uninterrupted and my feet stay cool. <laughs> it's like, oh, Rigel. And then, Rigel has the best lines. And then there's this, then um, Crichton's like, wives plural? My man. And gives him a high five. <laughs> he actually high fives the puppet, which is. Very... <laughs> it's like, wow. I missed that even. Like. I was making notes as I was watching this for the first time, so I missed all these tiny little beautiful things. <laughs> like him giving the high five to Rigel was just the cherry on top. It's really good. <laughs> but so they finally come out of Starburst, and boom. Oh, and also relevant that John asks uh, Zan and uh, Aaron, were they dreaming about um, you know their past lovers? Because they realize that you know he realizes that they're all dreaming about the same thing. And they say, no, nothing. Um, no. Yeah. So, it sounds like 
you vulgar men. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm like not that. impressed by your masculine memories or something like that. Yeah. yeah. And Aaron just doesn't say anything. And then they pop out of Starburst, but there is uh, no pregnant Leviathan. In fact, no Leviathan anywhere. I have been shammed. <laughs> and there is, in fact, a planetoid or a moon or something. And some Delvians come on over the comms. It was a ruse, a cunning ruse. But uh, it's the Delvian is called Talin, and she is calling for help. It's specifically calling for Zan, and they they deliberately use their powers to kind of influence Moya to take everyone there because they need to get in uh, touch with Zan from the sounds of things. Yeah. So how the hell did they know she was in the neighborhood? Mm -hmm. Space magic. <laughs> Listen, I mean, listen. that is true. We have established that space magic is a thing. Delvian priests are actual wizards, so... Yes. Well, I mean, they're not... They're clerics, it's a different thing. I was going to say, I hold a minute here. I mean, yeah. <laughs> um, so they go down to the planet, or planet... I guess, yeah, it's a planet, whatever it is. And there's a, there's a Delvian temple-like ship there. And, again, I want to point this out, vertical design. Like, the ship is like a... Uh, there's a big expansive kind of rocky area, and there's just a vertical ship, which is like a rectangle mm -hmm. with uh, sort of a bit cut into the center of it that is like a circle with a uh, straight line down the middle. It's like a solid slab rock yeah. that a keyhole is cut out of. Yes. And again, like, I, I just find this really interesting that there's this theme of like vertical design when it comes to mm. uh, space, well, like uh, planetary things like... Uh, cities and uh, ships and stuff like that. Yeah, That's I, I that really like it because a lot of ships are usually in the uh, horizontal design. Yeah, I actually just like it because it's it's something different that uh, you don't typically see. And, and it, it makes sense because space doesn't really care about directions. Yeah. Also, they mentioned that what the ship does is it lands and it buries itself partially underneath the mm -hmm. the Earth. And Aaron's like, oh, good, that's uh, tactical, makes tactical sense, and, uh, you know, it's so harder to spot from space. And the Delvians who they've met down there are like, ah, yes, peacekeepers. <laughs> <laughs> and so they go into the temple ship, which is, oh, really lovely uh, set with lots of um, tapestry-type things and um, jewelry, and uh, it looks really good. Yeah. Like, I, f I found it interesting how... I mean, it's it's like a spa, really. Yeah, basically. How much opulence there was in this wasteland. Mm. Yeah, and Crichton is actually surprised. Like, this is a ship, I think he says at one point, like, incredulously. And it looks just like a very fancy spa. Um, mm -hmm. And Talene says to him, like, we have food stores. Uh, you may make use of them. Go get yourself some food to take home with you. And so Zan is asking, well, why did you bring me here? Because they specifically wanted to find yeah. Zan. And actually, Zan is not that happy about this because she says Talene invaded her soul last night, leaving her bitter. So she did dream like yeah. everyone else, but it was clearly not a happy dream. Yeah, we'll find out more later about that. So Crichton has gone off to go get some food from their food stores, which is apparently a pool full of squid-like yeah. things. Like half plant, half animal squids that he, you can basically just, if you're quick, catch out of the lake to eat. Like. Yeah, and they're kind of white and uh, slimy, and they have three uh, limb things, and yeah, they're they're really interesting and weird, and 
genuinely looked like they would taste good, actually. He says it kind of looked like calamari, uh, space calamari things. Yeah. And Aaron is there with him, who is just incredibly unimpressed by everything. And I really like her take on this, because what she says uh, amounts to the effect of all these sophisticated and heavy air quotes people always think they're so much higher and mightier than, than the rest of us. Yeah, I think she says people, so many people mistake, this isn't the exact word, but it's like theocracy or theocratical knowledge for power or for... Um, refinement. Yes, refinement. Which I thought, yeah, it was interesting. Like Interesting take from her. Like these, basically, it boils down to these religious people are way up themselves. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's actually that's kind of what she said, and I could I can see why why she would think that, and she in some ways she's right. Yeah, but Crichton is trying to get her to be, I don't know, more impressed with it because he's he's obviously like uh, impressed with everything. It's all new to him, and he's like, look at this, the squid thing, and this place, and it's 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 all so different and unique and amazing and she's just not impressed and he does concede it is also a little weird and a little crazy i like i like aaron's face here like she doesn't say anything it's just like right (laughs) yeah yeah (laughs) uh and so meanwhile back with talin and zan we find out why they need zan because they know that Zan has overcome her dark impulses, and we've seen that in previous episodes. And what Talene wants is to for Zan to give them the power to uh, help themselves. They need her secret of uh, controlling the dark impulses because they're all they may all go insane from the madness because mm-hmm. that is uh, happening to them. And if you if they don't get control of it, they'll all go crazy. They'll go mad. Like her father, she mentions. Yeah, like her father, who they they met earlier, who is an older uh, Delvian with he's got like a headdress on. John at one point, I think, either before or after they scene, briefly talks with him, and he just he's rambling, and he's parts of the things he says aren't in the conversa- aren't part of the conversation that he's having with John. Mm-hmm. Also, he mistakes John for a peacekeeper. But Zan says, well, she doesn't know how she survived the early cycles of hatred. She's just, you know, how did I do it? I don't know. You know, I'm just amazed that I did. And Talene says, well, you did survive them. And offers her something in return. So she says, if you show me how to do that, then I will show you abilities beyond your comprehension. Uh-huh. Like, could you be a little more specific? <laughs> like, and she is. She is a bit more specific. Because she alters John's memory. Yeah, so Crichton is there still around the pool, and she gives Crichton sort of a flashback where he's uh, looking into the sea after some bits and pieces, you know, after some uh, animals or whatever, and he's a young boy, and then she alters the memory so that he falls into the sea and starts to tread water and all that and stuff. And gets dragged down by the creatures. Yeah, and he sort of comes to his like, the hell was that? And, and he's suddenly scared of the water. Yeah, and like, wow, she's just messed with his head. And Zan tells uh, Talene to put his memory back as it was. You stop that. Mm-hmm. Stop it. No, no. Stop. Stop acting like an adult young lady. <laughs> so, yeah, they've got some funky mind powers. Mm. Uh, back on Moya, Dargo is doing his usual, I don't trust this, so we should leave. <laughs> Because um, he senses, I sense Delvian trickery. Um, since they all had the same dreams, mm-hmm. 
Uh, I like that Raja points out, well, mine was better than yours. <laughs> and uh, meanwhile, a man called Tuzak approaches Crichton. Meanwhile, uh, Talin's father, who is called Tuzak, uh, approaches Crichton. And actually, just quickly, Tuzak is played by a guy called Max Phipps. And yeah, he played the Toady in Mad Max 2 The Road Warrior. So oh. there you go. And uh, I get the feeling we'll see more people from Mad Max in Yeah, uh, something in with Australia. Mm, yeah. <laughs> Actually, sadly, he died in August of the year 2000 at age 60, so uh, unfortunately a bit before his time, I would say. And this was recorded in 1999, so this was... A year earlier. Yeah, one of his uh, last roles, Mm. sadly. But uh, he does a very good job this episode, I think. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I really like his character. Just just in the right mix of madness and wisdom. Yeah, because he's approached Crichton, and he's very clearly, like I said, rambling and... He says, I'm here because of you, and you're a peacekeeper. And Crichton says, no, no, I'm not. He you know, denies it, and that the man is insane, and he and the man points out, yes, I am. He's like, yep, that's me. But he warns Crichton that uh, Zan is in danger, and you know, not to trust what's going on. When ominous, crazy old men tell you that something is wrong, there is something wrong. Yeah, listen General to General rule in fiction. <laughs> Meanwhile, Eren has been asked to leave the temple, because she's a peacekeeper, and she's carrying a weapon with her. She's yeah, got her. Yeah, she pulled out the moment John got really scared of the water. Yeah. <laughs> so they're like, you know what? That, that's not cool. Uh, we asked you specifically not to bring weapons. And she's and looking around in the temple. Yeah. And then she gets kicked out by a guy named Hasco. Yeah. Actually, just briefly, I like Hasco. He does a lot of good things in this episode. Yeah, it's interesting. Also, um, these are the first. So Tuzak and Hasco are actually the first Delvian males that we've seen. And they look broadly the same, you know, blue, mm-hmm. blue makeup. And Hasco is kind of wearing a robe that's open right down to his uh, waist, basically. Mm-hmm. He's got like, so his entire torso is made up, is, you know, covered in blue makeup. Yes. And actually, I just want to quickly point out that like, we, we're used to seeing like one Delvian, we're used to seeing Zan all the time. Mm-hmm. And then we see like quite a few more of them, and then you realize how long this episode must have taken to film because you had to put them in makeup and it would have taken hours for each of them. Oh, wow. I didn't even realize that. Yeah. Because it took a long time. It takes there's a long time. There's at least four main character, uh, I mean, talking roles in here and Delvians. And there's probably a few backup actors mm. as well. And quite a few of the costumes have a bit like you have shoulders and arms mm-hmm. and uh, chest in the case of uh, that guy and uh, I think the one who has the least makeup on is actually Tuzak. You just see his face and hands, really. Yeah. Which I, I I wonder if that's to do with the fact that the guy playing him is actually a lot older than everyone else, and mm, probably maybe a bit more allergic to the makeup. Yeah, or just you know you don't want to spend that much time in the makeup chair. Fair. But uh, they would, but the costuming is also really. They've got like uh, robes on that are very. Uh, ornately decorated in gold and purples and with like jewels on them and it looks really good yeah like the costuming and the makeup in this episode is really good really strong yes i really like this look into what delvians look like in a more everyday setting yeah and some of them are bald some of them aren't um yeah important part not all delvians are bald (laughs) in fact the delvian uh, women have sort of silvery uh hair in sort of like a perm coming out of the head. But uh, yeah, it's it's really good. And I, I really like seeing more Delvians and all that kind of stuff. Yep. But I can see why they don't do it often because 
sitting in makeup for that long. Well, that must be a pain. <laughs> That's all I can say to it, really. Mm. So Eren has been kicked out of the temple, and Zen goes to ask Crichton to help her out with a decision. And she reveals that last night, yes, I did dream. Also of the last person she ever loved. The same as everyone else. Yeah. And keep an open mind, John, she says. And, tell <laughs> and then Talene warns... She says that beforehand. Yeah, and Talene is warning uh, Zan that Crichton's mind is not very big. Um, because what really? she's going to do is uh, show him the dream that she mm -hmm. had. She's going to yeah. do Delvian mind meld with him and uh, show him the dream. And uh, we see it, and we see Zan and another Delvian, a Delvian male, um, they're doing what's called joining in unity, where they're sort of putting their hands on each other's heads and sharing memories and feelings and all that kind of stuff. Apparently they're basically mind sex. Yeah, basically. And uh, that man is called Bital. And it turns out, she, in the middle of uh, unity, she decides to kill him. Yep. Because... Uh, he put the world at risk. He put Delvia at risk. And uh, he ruined a bunch of people's lives. And we find out because he actually sold out the Delvians to the peacekeepers, basically. Mm -hmm. And the peacekeepers came in and took control because of this guy. Because of Batal. Yep. And as a revenge, she... Kills him. Kills him. In the middle of Unity, which is like yep. uh, hugely yeah, personal. <laughs> which... like, you know, like it's... They, Which John keeps repeating afterwards. You killed him during sex? <laughs> so, I found that a little bit. Rich is like, okay, that's... So you're more concerned with the fact that she killed him during yeah. sex than the yeah. fact that she killed him at all. Yeah. It's like, come on, John. Like, I mean, besides, you, you've you never seen movies before, John? Yeah. Well, did you, like... Have you watched nature documentaries? Praying Mantis, man. <laughs> 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 So yeah, I was kind of a little surprised he was that he was more uh, horrified by that than the mm -hmm. fact that everything else happened. So why is, why did she show Crichton this? And she says, well, Crichton, you need to understand, and I need to need your help with this decision because they need me to do it again. Like, wait, what? Yeah, this is the crime that she was in prison for. This is what drove her to insanity and what she had to overcome to mm -hmm. become the Zan she is today and to put away her dark. Uh, dark side basically and yeah. they want her to do it again yeah yeah what like do, do they need you to kill someone again yeah uh no not really and this is where this episode gets really complicated because i lost track of some parts here so yeah i think that might be because i was making notes at the time but <laughs> my understanding is what they actually want is they want to learn how to do that and stay sane afterwards so that they can go uh, back uh, uh, home oh. and take back Delvia from the peacekeepers without turning into a bunch of uh yeah without going without Lunatic. going mad yeah okay hmm yeah so they need they need Zan's uh training on how to do that and, okay that makes sense and so they need to sort of reach inside her mind and pull out all of that stuff yeah. um, she need, basically needs to give away a piece of her soul yeah and she's it John's not okay with this. Yeah. If I remember correctly. <laughs> no, very much not okay with this. And yeah, I can see why. And so we have a bit more backstory from Zan. She says uh, Bitala was a spiritual counselor and she was studying with him at the time. And like we said, like 
Oh, this, actually, I found this interesting. His tenure was up, but there was yeah. him and the other conservative Pa'us, who are the you know, priests and so on, they hired the peacekeepers for external security. So basically, that after that tenure was up, and they had to relinquish control, they could just keep it. Yeah, and I like this. They, they were conservative Pa'us, which is implies that there's like a different. You know, there's they're not all the have the same. Uh, yeah, because they're also belief. liberal Pa'us. Yeah, exactly. Pa'us who don't think like that. Man, the Americans must have hated this one. <laughs> um, and the peacekeepers, but the peacekeepers came in, took control. And sent many Delvians to asteroid camps and other mm -hmm. places, including Zan's father, actually. Yep. And she says, as far as she knows, uh, her father could still be on one of those camps. But she's clearly not seen him in a long time. Yeah. So, okay, okay. The reason of murder is understandable, but Gretchen repeats, You killed him during sex! It's like, for fuck's sake, John. <laughs> yeah. that, Can we that, not? that was my response. Say like, that's less important than everything else that's going on here. There's a bigger context to this, John. Damn it. Mm. Uh, anyway, um, and so it turns out that when Delphians train for purity, they can become vulnerable to dark impulses, like we saw with Zan. And if those dark impulses surface, they actually kind of it affects their body. They can effectively succumb to an effect infection. It presents in the same way. Yeah, and it, basically they they turn to madness. At which point, the old man we've seen before just passes in the background. <laughs> he looks at Crichton, walks away again. Yeah, because... <laughs> like, nice touch. <laughs> nice like, touch. Is that my cue? Okay. <laughs> it's um, not subtle, but I liked it. Like, but yeah, that's exactly... like, yeah, I noticed that. It's exactly what happened to Tuzak. Like, he is not only mad, his body is also sort of deteriorating. He's got, like, skin mm. rash. And that's all from uh, surface giving into the dark impulses and... Yep. and so on ah, and so yeah they want Zan to perform unity with uh, Talene and uh, you know share the part of her soul and give you know take that part from her and figure out how to overcome it and so also Talene doesn't, doesn't want Eren and Dargo to come down to the planet to distract Zan so uh, they, they want everything to go okay so they make them stay away because at this point Dargo is ready to go down there and Aaron wants to go back to get them out because something something's up and they just want to basically get Zan and leave and so get the weapons get the quarter blade get the uh, pulse rifle I like that they're going down there and Rigel actually says oh wait for me <laughs> I'm coming to you I want to I want to see this bloodbath <laughs> say like, what are you gonna do Rigel like annoy them annoy yeah irritate <laughs> but Talene is gonna put a stop to this because she doesn't want them to come down so no. she gets Hasco and another Delvian called Lorana to uh, distract them, to mess with their minds like they messed with John's mind earlier. And so Aaron drops her pulse rifle, first of all, and then seem, it looks as if, to her, it's fallen apart and she has to reassemble it. Which she can't, she can't. she's not a tech. Okay, I found this... Okay, so my, my reading of this is that they also messed with her head so much that she couldn't reassemble it. No, that's true, actually. I noticed that, because later on we, she finds that she doesn't understand any of the controls of the ship as well. Yeah, because... Okay, so Eren's not a tech, she's a soldier. But even today, soldiers need to know how to field strip a rifle. That is true. You're and right. I would be very surprised if Eren did not know how to rebuild her pulse rifle mm -hmm. even if she doesn't understand how it works she can just put the you put these bits back together in this order is yeah, all you need she to probably know for knows, that. knows that you're right yeah and um, so they're messing with her head and um and Dar Dargo's like 
what are you doing? Why are you <laughs> acting like this? And then she does. actually hands her the gun back, and she's just, I can't use this piece. I don't I'm need this whole gun. <laughs> and then Dago sees Joffy, his son, who Being we learned captured about by peacekeepers. Yeah, and he's like, pilot, shut down the exits. We got peacekeepers on the ship. Ah, and runs away. And um, and then Rigel has a thing. <laughs> Oh god, this <laughs> So we see a shot from sort of top down on Rigel on his chair and he just he just shrinks. He gets really yeah, he gets tiny. even smaller. It's so dumb. I like they, they have something kind of person they have like uh Aaron doesn't know how to reassemble her rifle. Dargo sees his son and Rigel just gets really small. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's so stupid. at first I was like, did he just turn back into a kid? I was like, what is this? So it turns out, no, he just, he just, he, he thought he shrunk. <laughs> uh, so that happened. Um, also, John has been uh, influenced as well because... Yeah. Oh, actually, uh, I'd like to jump back a little bit because okay. when uh, Talene gives uh, Lorana and Hasco these orders to mess with their minds... Oh, yeah. Hasco actually says to Lorana is... This what your children are how you're going to treat your children as well. Yeah, because um, Talin says distract them as you would a child. Yeah, and it's like, well, would you? yes, and you're right. Yeah, Hasco says to uh, Lorana, like, yeah, would you do this to your own children? Mm hmm. Mm hmm. He, yeah. He's the voice of reason in this episode. He is a little bit, yeah. Um, but then we find out what's been happening to John because he's not all there himself because he's seeing bum 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 Alex. Alex, you know the woman that we've that's been in the series the entire right? time. She yeah. was she was with him in the in the module. Right, she was his co-pilot. Yeah, it's wife even. She actually took the job at the space agency. She yeah. was there the because whole time. she was qualified for that instead of a doc, uh, as, instead of being being a doctor. Like I, uh... I don't know. And so yeah, John John is obviously very surprised because. Suddenly she's there for no reason. And he's like, who are you? I mean, we're I know both... you're supposed to be, but... Who are you? And and then his memories are influenced and he's... He remembers changed. how uh, they got married and he remembers how uh, she went with him to the space station as she's also telling him this. Yeah, and like, I'm your co-pilot. And then he remembers them taking a photo uh, both in the uh, space in their IASA uniforms and the like. Yeah, they're yeah, not they're, NASA uniforms. They're not NASA uniforms. Um, and, yeah, so he's being distracted with a memory of uh, uh, thinking that he's seeing Alex. I mean, basically just Alex being here. But she's kind of like... <laughs> Alex is like the self-insert fanfic character who was there all along. <laughs> oh, God, yes. <laughs> it's like... Uh. <laughs> it's wow. also kind of weird because this is the first we've actually heard about Alex at all in the whole series. I would have expected something in the first episode, but I guess not. But I mean, they probably were, were didn't know they were going to do this episode. That yeah, that's true. They were working on the pilot. And it, it works just fine. I mean, yeah. I, I'm actually glad we did, they didn't put this in the first episode because they would have had this, then time jump a few years forward. Then the entire episode, and then, like, yeah, why was that part of the beginning in there? Well, in 12 episodes, you'll know why. It's like, yeah, no, that yeah. wouldn't have made any sense. So, yeah, this is, this is a weird thing that's going on. So they've just successfully distracted all of them from, yeah. the, side, from the sounds of things. And, I, I mean, to go on the sidetrack here, I really like this episode because it shows how 
it kind of talks about how malleable uh, memories actually are. Because yeah. there's this, if you ever want to read a book about this, there's an amazing book called The Invisible Gorilla. I really like this book because it, it talks a lot about everyday illusions that we experience during our, uh, during our daily lives. Uh, it's named after one of the illusions that is the illusion of attention. That we yes. think that if something uh, completely out of the ordinary shows up, we'd see it with the popular gorilla experiment where there's a gorilla in the scene where you're supposed to count ball bounces. And nobody notices. Like 50% yeah. of people don't notice it. Like yeah. the, the gorilla comes on, stomp, claps his chest, and then disappears, and nobody, and like 50% just doesn't see it because their attention <laughs> is on the ball and not on the gorilla that just pops up out of nowhere having no reason to be there. Yeah. And, and it's not so much about the fact that you don't see the gorilla. It's about the fact that we all think we sh would see the gorilla. That's yeah. The, but there's also an illusion about memory in that we think our memories are way more accurate than they actually mm. are. That's why like, you can very easily mix things up and be convinced that you saw so-and-so at this place when, in fact, mm -hmm. you're thinking of you know, years ago at a different yeah. venue you know, with someone else. And, and that's also kind of why eyewitness testimony is not the best evidence. No, because, anything. I mean, one of the examples they give is a shooting happening mm. and the, a husband and wife calling and they can't get through and they call like a minute or two later and already at that point their testimonies start differentiating enormously yeah. one of them says that, that the person was actually blonde the other says black hair and it's like five minutes later <laughs> in a stress situation you'd think they'd remember better but but they don't and so yeah you can mess with memories very easily yeah this is actually not that hard to do when you think about it but these people have magic space powers so that that makes, makes things... it even easier yes <laughs> Uh, also, something I want to point out, I didn't notice this straight away, but on paying closer attention, the actress playing Alex has heterochromia. One of her eye, her left eye is blue, and her right eye is hazel. Oh, I, I didn't even notice that. Yeah, I only noticed it on the close-ups, but I thought that was interesting. Is huh. uh, yeah, I thought that was a that was just a thing I don't you don't see very often. No, because it's red genetic. <laughs> Um, but but uh, the actress playing um, Alex is called Darlene Vogel. But you might recognize her from Back to the Future 2, funnily enough. Mm -hmm. She was a member of Griff Tannen, the future Biff guy. Yeah, his, his gang. <laughs> one of, she, yeah, she's one of his gang. <laughs> yep. Um, which is kind of relevant because it's 2015. And at the time of recording, we're not that far out from or we we've just had back to the future day it was just yeah, like four days ago it was just october point. 21st 2015 <laughs> anyway back to what's been uh, actually going on zan has gone to see uh tuzak uh who is tending to some roots uh, mm -hmm. up above the surface and actually funny they mentioned that these roots are integral to their uh ship and to their uh culture and all that stuff mm -hmm. and they're supposed to be they represent uh, peace and uh, uh, clarity of thought or something like that and they're all twisted up which is you know nice metaphor um, and apparently John you know shouldn't touch it because it'll be toxic to him anyway um, uh, Tuzak is tending to these dried withered uh, roots and so on um, and Zan asks him uh, if I give Talim what she wants, will she use it to hurt people? And he yes. just... Oh, yes. Oh, yeah, it's like, yep, definitely. But she may be using it to free a planet from tyranny. 
so yeah, no uh, no easy decision here. Like it's not black and white, really. Nope. It's like yes, she would use its power to hurt people, but to take something back from tyranny again. It's like which evil do you choose? I was gonna say that that actually reminded me of that old black magic. Cause... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Which evil do you release? So Zan agrees to unity with Talene, and she only she says she only wants a small seed to learn to control herself. Mm-hmm. So you don't, you know, not going to take too much, and then they join in unity. So this is a cool shot. Oh god, these effects are so awesome. So they're standing, sort of, uh, they're standing opposite each other. We see them from the side, and they put their hands on each other's heads, put their heads together, and then there's a backdrop of some sort of panels with some inlaid uh, designs on them behind them, and then this blue light comes out from them. And the panels fade away and fall back fall, in- fall backwards into what seems like open space or something yeah and it's not like that's actually happening around them it's like an effect of they're entering into unity with each other and then we have a shot basically of what you get is a blue kind of background and you have the two uh head and down to kind of like their neck mm-hmm. um is visible and they're naked they're not you know not wearing any clothes on that and they sort of phase through each other so that their heads are facing opposite directions but yeah. they're right next to they're, they're, they're on, almost inside of each other yeah, the way they edited this it looks like basically their faces go nose to nose go through each other and then stop about where the at the point where their two back of the heads form one head with yeah, two fa- with a face on each side yes exactly which so i want to talk about this because yeah, i looked this, this up this reminded me very heavily and in fact, this is a good way to visualize it, if you know about this, is uh, of the Roman uh, god Janus, who is typically depicted with that head with a face on both sides, and is the god of uh, beginnings and transitions and gates and doorways and stuff. So mm-hmm. I thought, okay, that's interesting. Maybe that's just like a coincidence. And then I looked up what he's actually, uh, part of what he can symbolize. So he's, he's a god of beginnings and passages, for one thing. Okay. Also, the god of change and time, Janus. So here's this is a passage from Wikipedia, but Janus frequently symbolised change and transition, such as the progress of future to past, from one condition to another, from one vision to another, and young people's growth to adulthood. Ah, that's a nice description of what's happening here. We- exactly. So I looked that up and I was like, wow, that's actually really appropriate to this whole episode. Like the progress of future to past you know transitions changing from one to the other and i don't know if this was intentional i want to believe it is because it's a, it would be a very direct reference if it was and mm-hmm. um that would be really cool it could very easily be a coincidence because of the way they chose to depict um uh unity but i thought that was like intentional or not that's actually a really cool illusion and yeah an allusion i should say not an illusion, allusion. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, and uh, he has jurisdiction over beginnings, and he also... Oh, here's another one. He represents the middle ground between barbarism and civilization. Oh, so, okay, that has to like, be, no, that has to be a reference. I, I, it's impossible if they didn't. I can't find any information about whether it is or not, but mm. I, I, I would... If it, if it turned out it was true, I would not be surprised. I mean, I, this is probably the same thing as with Namtar and Mangala. Those yeah. references were also subtle, but just too good not to be true. Well, not really, because John literally calls him Mangala. Okay, fair. <laughs> also, something we didn't mention last time, Namtar is Ratman spelled backwards. Yeah. <laughs> Someone pointed that out to us, and we're like, oh, yeah. we're dumb. 
We're yeah. dumb. Like, oh, <laughs> uh, but anyway, but uh, yeah, whether or not the Janus reference is uh, deliberate, it's really cool uh, either way. So, uh, back to what's going on there. Having unity, we've got Talim and Zan. Uh, in my mind to your mind, my thoughts to your thoughts. thoughts. Our minds are one. Uh, <laughs> uh, Delvian mind meld. But the uh, joining the unity is causing both of them pain, and uh, Talim says, what Zan achieved will take... Take me too long to master on our own, and just so goes just crunch, rips it I'll out. Take, I'll take all that knowledge. Just not a seed, thank you. Yes, Yoink. no, I'll take that as well. Yes. Oh, that's nice. That'll look nice on the <laughs> nice on the mantelpiece, and uh, just because I'm asking, would you also take that? Hoppa. Yeah. And so yeah, Dan. She just ripped it straight out of Zan, and Zan's eyes have gone red, and she's gone mad. Ah, oh, no. Yeah, because. We see her. We see her eyes going from blue to red, and her collapsing. And I'm like, "Oh no! Oh shit! Oh no! Is that the? It's that basically the last line of defense against Dark Sand just fading?" And it is because Dark Sand is out. Mm-hmm. And because Crichton goes to her, and her dark, she says her dark impulses are released, and she's uh, Virginia Hay does a, a really good job this episode. She acts completely differently as Dark Zan. Less restrained, mostly. That's that's the thing that I noticed the most. Mm, yeah. She's a lot more, she seems more impulsive. Not just completely mad and uh, and just tearing people's throats out or anything, just a lot more impulsive and a lot, mm, I mean, there's still parts of Zan in there, mm. but. Yeah, and so Talene ripped out Zan's ability to control the dark impulses and uh, and so, but then, oh god, this scene, oh, when Crichton says, okay, you've overcome it before, you can do it again, and Zan just lashes out at him and hurts him, and mm-hmm. says, it took me 17 cycles to do that. I don't have the strength to do it again. And we've heard her mention that she didn't think she could do it again, but not that it took her 17 years no. to make it happen. It's like, oh, okay, now that makes a lot more sense why you don't think you can do it again. Yeah, like, I mean, I can imagine her thinking, like, I don't even have the time for this. Yeah. So, wow. So, Crichton has kind of run off from Zan because she's, he doesn't know what to do, and Alex corners him again. Fake Alex. Why are you paying so much attention to Zan? Like, because she's in need. And she's my friend? It's like, oh, I'm your wife. And she shows her the ring, and he's like, I never gave you... No, wait, I didn't. Oh, wait, yes, I did, yes, I did. <laughs> also, but we never got... Ma- and uh, see, seeing her in, in a white dress, like, oh, no, we actually did get married. Yeah, no, I'm totally married, definitely, sure, yeah, yeah sure. <laughs> and she's like, honor your vows or choose Zan over me, and... I'm like, holy crap, what a needy wife. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, this is a Delvian mind trick, right? This... Yes, but... It, it, it's designed to, to make... Crichton, I mean, not I, pay attention to Zan. What I don't get is that instead of um, they're giving her this whole memory of this wife that's trying to keep him away, they could have also just altered his more recent memories. Yeah. Like, that he doesn't remember Zan actually going mad and add that into it, and it's far easier to keep him away from Zan. Yeah. Like, there's nothing wrong with Zan. I don't need to be there. She'll come out when she's re- ready. <laughs> Uh, Subtle touches, ladies and gentlemen. I've talked about this before. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but meanwhile, Talion has gone to Tuzak. 
he reveals that he brought the Delvians here to this place to accelerate yeah. their learning and to create a whole new class of Pau. I mean, basically, he's telling his his daughter, important part. Talene is apparently his daughter. Yeah. Everything she already knows, just so we we can. Also I know, know you know that I know. <laughs> like, as you know. <laughs> as you know, nobody ever says that. <laughs> uh, but uh, Tuzak says you should learn from my error. You're you're going too fast. You're you know reaching ahead of what you're capable of. Mm -hmm. And what you're doing is worse than the insanity that you're trying to stave off. And then she just inca she incapacitates him. Kills. Kills him. She no, kills him. She kills him. She's like. Yeah. Straight dead. She basically just grabs his head and just mind, basically just shuts his mind down and just collapses. Because what she also says is, Father, because he's actually, you're rather lucid today. Yeah. And then just grabs him and kills him. And at that point I thought like, was he ever actually crazy? He or was just putting on a show? Because his eyes didn't, were, were blue the whole time. Yeah, maybe. Mmm. And was he just having it up, especially... I mean, when with John uh, across from him, they were actually in in the ship, so I can imagine him being like, okay, I need to keep the act up here between, in, in between everybody else. Yeah, maybe. But outside the ship, both when Zahn was talking with him and, again, here with Talene, he's showing no signs of madness. Hmm. Yeah, it's weird. It's interesting. Yeah, maybe he was. But then she kills him and we'll never know. Yeah, we'll never <laughs> actually know. Uh, and... Uh, so Crichton is with Zan again, and he's asking her, "Come back to Moya, and uh, let's get the hell out of here." And but she, I'll I'll join with Talene one more time, she says. And John figures out, "Oh, you're gonna kill her." And Zan's like, "Ah, you always were the clever one." It's like, <laughs> you've changed your tune. How many episodes was it? It's like Crichton is dumb and an idiot. He's Crichton. <laughs> yeah, Crichton. And then Crichton says, "Alex said you'd do this." She's like, Alex? What the hell's Ooh, Alex? My wife? Oh, I think we're both lost. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, okay. And by the way, at this point, um, she's actually lying next to the dead body of uh, Tuzak. Yeah. Who they brought in to do like a burial ceremony. Mm -hmm. And she's just kind of lounging next to him. At this point, John is accusing her of cowardice for not being prepared to reclaim herself. Mmm, yeah. But uh, having not got anywhere, he's sort of wandered off again. And now we see Alex again asking why Zan is so important to him. Also, at this point, Alex is now wearing a nightdress. Just yeah, by the by, like, uh, why are you wearing that? What? And what I like is that she now says, "I was never here." Oh yeah, this is a uh, good reveal because she's like, "Okay, I'm gonna drop the act now." It's like, I'm not real. I'm not your wife. This is all a false memory. And he's like, "No, I I remember everything. I mean, we got married. You were that weird." You were there with me on the module. Yeah, and it's like, nope, no, I wasn't. That was all made up. And then she morphs back into dun dun dun, Lorana, um, who is the Delvian who was messing with his head this whole time. Mm hmm. Actually, played by the same actress. Yeah. Uh, which I only noticed during the morph. I hadn't noticed that before. Makeup was very good. Yeah, I wasn't sure. I was like, wait, oh, it was played by the same actress. And then, you know, you looked up the credits, and mm -hmm. sure enough, played by Darlene Vogel, both Alex and Lorana. And this is actually the scene where I noticed the heterochromia because you've got like a close-up on the two of them. Mm -hmm. But uh, anyway, she actually has come around to his way of uh, thinking about Zan. She shares her feelings, shares his feelings for Zan. And um, 
Yeah, now, because apparently, while she was digging around in his mind, altering memories, she apparently saw something... Um, well, she saw the... Crichton's memories of Zan. Mm. Oh, and, that was it, yeah. And the person that she has become. And the person that she was before she uh, succumbed to the madness, and she realizes that though, we need that person. Back. Yeah. And he can show Zan the same thing. But it would require him taking a risk. Meanwhile, Hasco, the male Delvian, has got back on the comms to Dargo, Aaron, and Rigel, who are all back on Moya. And he's so... basically released them from his mind controls. Like, okay. <laughs> You're fine. Look, you guys, please don't come charging down with weapons. I've given you your memories proper back, but please don't do that because we need to solve this internally. And Dargo's like, mm, you've got two arms. Then we're going to come in all guns blazing. Basically. And I like that Hasco's like, okay. Fair like, enough. He's like, fair. At this point, yes, you're right. We should have... Okay. Ah, so back down on the planet, uh, Lorana is telling Talene that uh, you're wrong. You're doing going about this the wrong way and such. And then she also says, if you you know think I'm so simple... Because Talene says, no, you're just... You're so, you're so young and so simple and you're wrong. She says, well, if you think that, why did you uh, have uh, unity with me a while ago? Um, previously and he says well because you were easy and pleasurable it's like oh shit also and you wouldn't dig down deep enough yeah it's like oh actually, so she point... was a quick shag and gone no and actually interestingly um that's actually been a plot threat that we haven't talked about because apparently um lorana and hasco used to be together yeah and lorana basically dumped uh, dumped him for telling yeah and which also puts that we could do this to your children Ah, well, yes, of course. A bit more into perspective. Right, yeah, you're right. Um, but then Lorana says that Crichton and Zan are attempting to leave, so you have to go stop them. Ha 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 ha. So Talene runs away. Yeah. And fell for the trap. Because, no, Zan wasn't leaving. Zan actually showed up at the uh, uh, melding altar. Yeah, the, the... Joining altar. Yeah. And John's there. She's like, where's Talene? <laughs> and now John does one of my favorite lines, like, the role of Talene will play today by John Crichton. <laughs> <laughs> and Zan is dismissive, like, you want to uh, perform unity with me? Like, you, Crichton, with the tiny brain? <laughs> yeah. Are you crazy? I'd probably crush you. And it's like, yeah, you probably would, but you can protect me. And uh, she's curious enough about this to give it a shot. No, 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 she leaves. All right. She walks away, and then John's like... Oh yeah! Oh yeah! Yeah! yeah. <laughs> and then she's like, she turns around like, like "Uh oh, <laughs> you what, mate? You what?" Following up, slight sub theme of Back to the Future. <laughs> Nobody calls me chicken. <laughs> uh, I like I like his line because he does the whole, and he actually says, "Did your translator microbes handle that?" Yeah, because I was like, I was expecting her to turn around and just be like. What are you doing? <laughs> yeah. But apparently the microbes translated that he was calling her a coward. Yeah. She's like, oh, I... And I like that when he says, did your translator microbes get that? He says that with a grin on his face. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, she... So she's going to perform unity with him. So she grabs his head, like, just yanks it, and it's like, right, let's do this. Bonk. <laughs> <laughs> and again, we see the graphic of the of the wall basically falling apart into space. Yep. And we have the two heads phasing through each other again uh, mm -hmm. with uh, Crichton and Zan. And Crichton's just like, oh, it's like, oh, wow, it's like 10 years of great sex all at once. <laughs> it's like, whoa, 
Well, Crichton's spoiled for the rest of his life. I thought, yeah, well, this is going to make things awkward. Um, <laughs> but they're also experiencing each other's emotions and feelings and so on. And, and dark says, side. Yeah, don't absorb any of my rage, Zan says. Yeah. But then Crichton shows Zan how he sees her. The gentle Pau, who's, you know, a uh, friend to all living beings and try to be that person again. Yeah, build out from what I remember of you and build, build your, yourself up from that. Mm. Use that as a, basically a scaffold to build up the rest. Yeah, I think that's important. It's like, um, it's very easy to get wrapped up in how you see yourself mm-hmm. and not realize how others see you and John, you know, shows that to her and it it kicks her back into realizing what she's done and you know who she has become now yeah and, who she is yeah and so they break and she's kind of collapsing because she's trying to fight the madness and the uh, i like how that's reflected with her eyes yes back and forth between red and blue yeah because when the madness is on them they have the red eyes which i think for the most part are probably like red contacts mm-hmm and uh, Talim has them at this point as well. Yeah, after killing her father, apparently she wasn't capable of staving off the madness completely. Yeah, but in this scene, they actually are like, there's a digital effect because they fade between blue and red. Yeah. And uh, Crichton is cradling Zan in his arms and she kind of passes out briefly, uh, closes her eyes, and then when she opens them, her eyes are blue! And, hey, hey, she's back! Woo! Woo! <laughs> And, and, yeah, she's able to thank him for saving her. Cut to Crichton chopping a tree in half. Yes! He's basically taking an axe. I don't know where he got that, but taking an axe to their life, the tree that is integral part of their ship. This, I, their sacred, this, this part got me confused. Their sacred tree. Like, it's sacred to them. That, that's basically what Yeah, but it, it also seems to be affecting the ship. Because it shakes yeah. at some point once he's, once he's about halfway through. I'm like, Maybe it's, uh... Maybe it's kind of like Moyen that it's a living part of a ship that is transmitting he's, things through that it. That he's now basically murdering. Yeah, cutting in half. Um, basically to get everyone to come there. And he's angry because he can't remember. And it's like, ah, ah, I don't remember. But then Zan says, details of another's mind fade after unity and all oh, that. Oh, yeah, because he, he doesn't remember the details of the, of the mel- melding. Yeah. Of but the, the essence unit. remains... And Talene runs in and is like, I'll destroy your mind. And she goes to Whoa! do ma- do psychic powers to him. And he's like, yeah. oh, oh no. And But then he's fine because Zan blocks her with another, with counterspell. Yeah. <laughs> and he's, he's like, what? How? That's not possible. How could you? <laughs> Impossible. Um, <laughs> How did you do that? It's like, Ah, from our unity between Zan, between Zan and Talim, I also took part of you, and I have now leveled up. Yeah, she's a tenth level level Pau priest, which means ding. I'm busting out the player's handbook here. Yeah, what do you get as a tenth level I'm, priest? I'm gonna. I mean, there has to be something. It's an. It's a nice even number. As soon as I heard, like oh. I, I am now a level ten priest. It's like, okay, so she literally leveled up. Yeah, let's see. Oh, this is interesting. Uh, nothing very interesting. You, I mean, some a few more spells. The a new cantrip, which mm-hmm. is basically a spell she can use whenever she wants. But she also has divine intervention. Wait a minute. <laughs> and I'm going to see what that means. I think she right. just did that. Uh, possibly. 
Uh, let me see, where is the... Ah, Divine Intervention. Beginning at level 10, you can call on your deity to intervene on your behalf when your need is great. <laughs> I'm going to say okay. that's what she cast to stop uh, Talene from um, messing with Crichton's Yeah, mind. and I think I think the, the DM was quite nice because uh, apparently you can basically ask your deity for a lot of things and uh, the DM decides if it works or not. <laughs> it's like, well, like, sure, like, that happens. Yeah, so... She can only do it once a week, so we might not be seeing it in the next few episodes. But <laughs> I just like that she was like, I literally leveled up. She's just like, yeah. she was uh, that close to saying I leveled up. Yeah, she like, said, I'm a 10th level power priest now. And I'm like, yes, we're going to bust out the book again. <laughs> <laughs> like the first thought went through my mind was like, ding, <laughs> level up. The first thought that went to my mind was, da 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 and I don't even play Final Fantasy. <laughs> uh, but it's all over. It's, I'm, and with her father gone, you need to tend the orchard because you're going to go mad. Yeah. So Just good, so you know. Good job. Well done. <laughs> and that's it. They leave. And, oh, I, I forgot to mention this, but with all the costuming and so on, while they've been down there, Zan has been wearing uh, Pau's robes, like proper, yes. like, ornament or like... Uh, ornately designed with gold inlay around them and rich sort of purples uh, as a proper pa'u and she leaves them behind mm -hmm. um, saying she's no longer worthy of them and goes back to her usual kind of shawl with sort of like rough grey texture and uh, undershirt yeah. and all that uh, I'm like you just leveled up why are you giving up your class <laughs> Yeah, what are you going to become a second bard <laughs> but she says I'll be a pa'u again someday but not today and yeah. friend's like, it's, a, you know, it's kind of a shame to waste those years of training um, but she says they were hardly wasted and they were the best cycles of her life. Yeah. And she walks out of the thing and that's the end of the sh end of the episode. And I'm like, yep. those robes were pretty sweet, though. <laughs> I was going to say, you like could just... I mean, you can also just leave them on the ship and... No one will notice. Can... They'll... <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. They, they, it, 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 they probably wouldn't mind. <laughs> but yeah, that's it. That's the end of the episode. That's where we finish. Yep. And yeah... I thought this one was pretty good. I, it was okay, but as again, because I was seeing it for the first time and taking notes because of the mix-up, mm. I might not be entirely objective on this one. I think I'm going to give it a three because yeah. there were some parts where it got really confusing and I didn't know what, what the stakes really were. Yeah, so. <clears throat> they did. There was quite a lot. I think it's partly because they had to do quite a lot of, I guess, uh, world-building in mm. regards to... Not only Delvian, like the Delvian situation, like where their planet, with their planet and the peacekeepers, but also how Delvian magic works. Yeah. And how no, their I... powers and uh, unity and all that stuff. There was a lot they were trying to fit in, which I think mm -hmm. they did reasonably well, but it did mean you were left kind of uh, a bit confused at some points. Yes. So, yeah. But other, I thought you had some really great things from uh some a really good performance from virginia hay as mm -hmm. you know doing dark xan and bringing yeah. all that out I no, actually, that was really good <clears throat> i actually quite liked how not over the top evil xan was yeah she could just have been very much i am evil she was actually kind of just like you said a bit more uh uh what's the word impulsive impulsive and uh, a little bit flirty as well. Yeah, and I, uh, and, and I, as I said, I like that the core of Zan, her memories, her part of her personality, 
her values even were still in there. Just the way she expressed them changed. Mm, yeah, which is a really nice way of doing that, rather than just be like, right, my alignment has shifted now to evil. Yeah, I will and therefore. I'm just gonna murder everybody. I shall start punching babies immediately. <laughs> <laughs> Find me a baby to punch. Also, <laughs> while you're at it, I need a few puppies to kick around. <laughs> yeah, no, it was, it was really well done, and she did a she did a really good job. And other than that, we had I like I said, I really liked the costuming was really excellent, and the, you had all the makeup on all the like four or five different uh, Delvians, and the set design was really good. You, basically, this was mostly Zan's episode. Also, uh, you got some good stuff from Crichton. Mm-hmm. So this was kind of like Virginia Hay and Ben Browder's episode, really. Yeah. Everyone else was didn't have a whole lot to do. No. I mean, Aaron got a <laughs> bit to do at the beginning of the episode. Yeah. But mostly the rest of the cast was uh, off scene. Yeah, they were, you know, back on Moyo trying to mm-hmm. get in. <laughs> and we did, we did have some great Rigel moments. like Yes! <laughs> yes. All hail Prince of the Obvious. And I, I, I recommend you go back and watch that scene, by the way, Red, because... The high five that he gives to Rigel is hilarious. I, I am going to look that one up. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I would say, yeah, three out of five seems about right to me. And, you know, fastgetworld.com agrees with you. They give it three Damn out it. of five. We're, we're still on the level here. Like, ah, I, uh, I'm still <laughs> agreeing with them. Why, why is it? I'm <laughs> part of right. the average. I don't want to be part of the average. <laughs> yeah, there we go. And we got some backstory or some more world building about... The Delvians are apparently under peacekeeper control, and mm-hmm. hmm, I wonder. I don't know if that will come up again. Maybe it will. Maybe it won't. Who knows? Peacekeepers are just kind of a bunch of dicks, anyway. Yeah. <laughs> peacekeepers are assholes. Trust me, they'll come up next next episode as well. Yeah. Next week we'll be watching the episode "The Flax." Yeah. In which John and Aaron uh, go off for a little uh, flight and get caught in something. <laughs> Sorry, I felt like hijacking that part because I actually know what happens. Yeah, because owing to a clerical error, <laughs> you may have already seen this episode. Anyway, um, yeah, that's what we're doing next week, episode called The Flax. And yeah, we'll be back for that. In the meantime, thank you everyone for listening. And if you want to support this uh, podcast, uh, you can do so at the Can't Wear Hats Patreon. That's patreon.com slash Can't Wear Hats, which supports this podcast and live streams on Twitch and other projects yet to come. Mm. and if, if you want to get in touch you can leave us a comment on the YouTube page with the uh, VODs for this which is again Can't Wear Hats on YouTube or you can uh, re- find us on Twitter I'm at Can't Wear Hats and Red is at Fedorkin Entry yes and so yeah do let us know what you think and uh, if you agree disagree don't know want to write a nice letter <laughs> uh, if you are able to I know if anyone has any more information about whether or not that that allusion to Janice was deliberate or not, I would mm. love to know. I haven't yeah. been able to find any, but uh, I really hope it is. I really hope it's deliberate. Anyway, I'm pretty sure it is. Yeah, it's it's too close not to be a coincidence. Mm-hmm. We may find out yet, but like I said, next week will be the flax, and that's it from us this week. Thank you everyone for listening, and we'll see you soon. Goodbye. Okay, uh, right, we're done. Uh, it's too bad Brian couldn't be here with us for this episode this week. Who's, who's Brian? Oh, you know, our, our co-host. He also does the editing. I'm, I'm going to send it off to him once once we uh, wrap up here. What, who are you talking about? Oh, that's going to be a rude awakening for you. Brian? <laughs> <laughs>